Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning to you here in the room and those of you joining us online today. I want to start with a picture today. This is actually a picture of my dad. This is George. And if you knew him, that was a gift. To know him was to know he was a man of strong character, but very kind and generous. He's a man who believed in perseverance. Like if I heard him say that once, I heard it a million times. Persevere. My dad had all these dadisms. Was that your experience? Or maybe you're the dad in the room with them. These sayings that dads say that uh, usually you get old enough to go, wait a minute. I think he was right. I think he was right. Well, my dad had this dadism, and he would say this, if something's too good to be true, it is. Have you ever heard that before? Has that been your experience? Like you see this deal online or you see a deal somewhere like, oh my gosh, that looks too good to be true. And it is. It's actually not true at all. Well, that's been my experience. I've found that to be true mostly. And I say mostly because what we're going to study today together in the Bible defies that statement. If something's too good to be true, it usually is. But not when it comes to eternity and where as a follower of Christ you and I are going to spend it. It's amazing to see what we're going to see today. So I've titled my message today, Heaven. It's not too good to be true. Revelation 21 and 22. Today, as Brian said, we conclude this series. Now, Brian, you have done amazing. He has preached eight sermons over this year from the book of Revelation and uh, has worked hard to prepare these messages. And I started thinking about it. I thought, it's kind of like if Revelation is a big meal, what Brian has done is he served up like the meat and the veggies. And some of the vegetables have been like Brussels sprouts, hard to swallow. Today, I get to serve you the dessert. Thank you, Brian. Like who doesn't love dessert? Today is dessert because today is heaven, heaven. Now, most of us have grown up with some ideas about heaven, some, some encounter with talking about heaven, whether we grew up in the church or we didn't grow up in the church. Heaven has been a part of our mind on some level, whether it was the loss of a pet, like it was for me early on when Scratch died. That's a great name for a dog, by the way, Scratch. And when Scratch died, I remember going out just with tears, grieving, asking my mom, where is Scratch? Or maybe for you, it's something even more close to home, the loss of someone young in life, a friend, a parent, a grandparent, or even recently in your own life. And questions about heaven, uh, thoughts about heaven was supposed to bring us comfort, some level of comfort. But you know what I've found as I've talked to others and in my own life, that the topic of heaven sometimes brings less comfort and honestly, some confusion. 
for us, even Christians, for us. We, we seem to have a, a, a deeper, more anchoring understanding of some theological or doctrinal topics more than heaven. Yet heaven is a place, as Christ followers, we're gonna spend a long time, like eternity, that's forever. And I started thinking about how much time I give to researching where I'm gonna spend for only one week of a year, vacation week. Like when it comes to where I'm gonna spend a week for a vacation, do you know what I do? I, I like research, I go to vacation rentals by owner and I read all of the reviews and that's, I don't stop there. Like I do a Google search, I do the map search, I do that little person that when you do satellite, they can actually hang out on the street where I wanna stay that week. And I go down the street and up the street. I do a beach view, what the beach is gonna, like for one week of my life. And yet this is eternity, this is forever. And I'm so grateful for this study and this time that I've spent it has gotten my heart so full and so excited. And so today, maybe you're like me. You haven't spent much time. We're gonna change that a little bit today. So if you'll go to lexcity.info, we have the message notes and all the scriptures I'm gonna be using as we look at what the Bible teaches us about heaven. Revelation 21, verse one. Then I saw, John is speaking, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was gone also, which by the way, makes me a little sad because it means there's no beach. I don't know about that. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her, for her husband, verse five. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. In other words, we can trust this. This is promises. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Now in the Bible, you may not realize this, but the, the word heaven is mentioned over 500 times from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word means heights or upward. And we, we think of that. We look to the heavens, up. In the Greek, the New Testament, the word means raised up or lofty. The word heaven is found over and over. It is a very important focus throughout the Bible and so should be for my life and yours. Paul gives us specific instructions when it comes to thinking about heaven. He says it this way in Colossians 3. He says, 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set, he says, fixate, set your minds on things above. Now, thank God for GPS. Anybody else in the room? Like you all might not know this, but I'm old enough to have experienced something called a paper map that was impossible to refold. Anybody remember that? So now we have these things called a GPS, which I love. And when I'm going somewhere, do you know what I do? I set my GPS for that destination. I set my GPS for the destination to take me through all the turns, all the stops, all the towns. My destination is set so I can get there. I don't stop at Nashville or Huntsville or even Birmingham Birmingham, when I'm on my way to Destin because I have set my mind on the beach. So that is my focus and that is my goal. And here's what Paul says. It is important in this life that we set our minds on things above, on heaven. Now, Revelation 21 begins with a picture of what John says is a new heaven and a new earth. Did you read it? Now, let me clarify something that may be helpful. This new heaven and this new earth is not the heaven or the paradise that the people we love who know Jesus are right now occupying. Jesus talked and addresses two thieves on a cross. You know the story surrounding Easter and his crucifixion. I love the side note that Jesus literally in his last moments is focused on other people. God, may it be said of my life. And there he is addressing their need. And he says to these two men, he's talking to them, and one of the thief declares his belief in Jesus as the Messiah. And then Jesus says this, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. This paradise that Jesus is talking about is a promised place of existence for those who die until all that we've studied in Revelation is completed and Revelation 21 steps in and said, now there is a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know if you noticed it. You go back and count. That word new appears four times in those five verses that that I read to you, four times. It's a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. And number four, I'm making everything new. Now that word in the Greek new is kainos. And that word means new, but new of a different kind, unused new, completely fresh new unworn new, new of a different kind, qualitatively new, a new design, meaning it's not a renovation of the old. Now, I redid my kitchen a year ago, same cabinets, different color, love them. Same space in the house, but different decorations, 
because I renovated the space. What John sees is not a renovation. This is something new, a new heaven and a new earth and the old earth is gone. This earth disappeared. A new earth, fresh, unused, unworn, uncommon. And this new earth, he says, will last forever. No need for upgrade like my TV that I got two years ago, like everybody else during COVID. I was with someone this week and they have a brand new TV and it's a lot better than mine. I wanna upgrade. In this new heaven, in this new earth, there are no upgrades. It is perfect. New heaven and new earth promised to us in scripture over thousands of years. This isn't a new idea in Revelation 21. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to Isaiah and prophesied through the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking God's words to people then about what is to come in the future. He says, look, I'm creating, God is creating a new heavens and new earth. And no one will even think about the old one anymore. And then Peter, in 2 Peter chapter three, the New Testament says, on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness, a perfect world. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the size and description of this new heaven and new earth that we read about in Revelation 21. Jump down to verse 15. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were 1,400 miles. So this new heaven and new earth is a 1,400 mile cubed. It's slightly smaller size-wise than the moon, which is round. But 1,400 miles cubed each way is the distance from Florida to Maine or Canada to Mexico or the Appalachia Mountains to the border of California. And at its base, it's 2 million square miles. And because it is cubed, it's occupied from within, not like the earth, where we just hang out where? On the surface. This is all inside. And because of that, this new earth has the capacity to easily house 100,000 million people. That's billions and billions of people and there's still space. That's awesome. That's amazing. Can you, can you start to kind of get a picture of this? 
That's what we have to look forward to then. But can I show you this nugget that I found that just got me so excited about now for us? About now, the scripture says, God has planted eternity in your heart. What does that mean? Well, look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Because it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has begun. The old is gone and the new is here. Look at that word new. Do you know what that is? The same word, the same Greek word as the new heaven and the new earth. What does that mean? That here, now, do you know what God wants to do for you? He wants to give you when you, like that thief on the cross, place your faith and trust in the Messiah, the one who came to take away the sin of the world, but our sin. When you, he gives you an unworn, uncommon, fresh, new heart. Eternity in your heart today. That's what God does. 1,400 miles cubed, 2 million square miles at its base and this space that overwhelms. The Bible clearly teaches us, you see, that heaven, it is a literal place. Now here's why I'm trying to make this clear because I think so many of us, and maybe this is your journey, but so many people think of heaven as just something kind of out there, a state of mind, that heaven is whatever you make it in this life, that it's a projection of you being the very best version of you. That is not what the Bible teaches. It actually is a place that we will go as followers of Christ, a wonderful place. It's not just this figment of imagination. It's not just a feeling now or an emotion. It's not just a beautiful space, just somewhere. It's not some form of utopia or a wishful hope or an invention of your mind. It's so much more. Heaven, God says, is a place. It's a prepared place for a prepared people. Heaven. So, a place. And Revelation makes it very clear of what this place is gonna be like. It uses several different um, images to help us understand what it literally will be like. Heaven is a place, according to Revelation 21, number one, first, it's actually a country. There is a vastness to it that represents, it says, people from every tribe and nation, meaning the country will be represented like our countries are represented now. And I had something happen to me that's a little vulnerable for me to, to share with you. 
because it's personal, but I've never had anything like this happen before. I, I'm not a person who kind of has dreams, visions. Some people do. I'm just not that person. But I had a dream one time that really was a vision. And I was asleep when I had this dream. And my husband and I had been in some dialogue about how much we felt we were to invest um, of our finances in a ministry that's happening in India. We as a church are a part of this ministry. And I was not where he was. And one night I had a dream, a vision of heaven. I, I've never experienced anything like this. It was so real, y'all. And I was standing in heaven and it was bright and beautiful. But the only thing I saw were these people groups lining the streets that I was getting ready to walk down. And again, it's kind of vulnerable, but when I, when I got ready to walk, they started clapping and cheering for me. And they were all from India. And they weren't cheering for me. They were cheering for the obedience and the gift that what we got to invest in, should we say yes, actually meant in their lives. They were there, all these people from India. And it was so real. And it, it will be real someday, you all. It will be real. The way you give your lives, you will, you will meet people. These people in India, it was like, I knew them my whole life, but I'd never met them. When you get to heaven, you will see people from Lexington, our city. As, as we give to reach out to the world, you will see people. They will line the place of heaven. It's not just a country, but there will be a celestial city. Revelation 21 says, I saw a holy city. And I love this. I want you to think about a city because it's actually going to be a city. And when you read Revelation, go back, spend time in these two chapters, you're gonna find that the city is a city there are people, there's a wall around the city, there are streets made of gold, no winter potholes, it's amazing. There's vegetation, there's water, there's homes, there's buildings, and there's 12 gates that you enter in for the city. The third thing is, it's a kingdom. It says it's a kingdom. My kingdom shall have no end, meaning there's an organization, a system, a pure government system that helps govern and lead people. People will lead in those, those different positions. And in that kingdom, we will all work. Now, before you get too disappointed about this, here's the deal. The work will be the thing that just brings you to life. We are made to work. God created us to be about purpose. You will, you will work. My dad, when he retired as a commander from the Navy, had a love for woodwork. 
And if you, my dad spent hours after he retired down in his workshop. It was an amazing place. And his final project, kind of this big culminating thing that he made was a bedroom suit out of solid cherry. It's gorgeous and my little brother has it now. Doesn't seem fair to the only girl in the family. But anyway, my mother, just months before she passed away, which will be two years ago this month, just months before she passed away, she had a dream of heaven. And she told me, she said, Helen, I had the most vivid dream. She never spoke in this way. I had the most vivid dream. I saw your dad in heaven. And you know what he was doing? He was making my bedroom suit. Fully believe it. Solid cherry, dad. Solid cherry. You will have a job in heaven. But turn with me now to the New Testament for the last image and picture description that the Bible gives of heaven that I want to spend our last moments on. It's Jesus with his followers. And here's the context. Jesus, it's just about Easter. I mean, it wasn't Easter then, but it's the Easter. Jesus is about to leave. He's telling the disciples, I'm going to leave you. I'm actually going to go back home to the Father. And the disciples are having a little bit of separation anxiety. If you have a two-year-old, you know what that looks like. So Jesus sits down and, and says, let me talk to you just for a minute. And he says this, John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come back and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Here's the fourth image and promise of what heaven and this new earth will be. Number four is my father's house. My father's house. Now, for those of us that had the gift of growing up in a home marked with love and safety, we were fortunate to know a place that we loved to go back to. Well, Jesus felt the same about his home. To go back to that home, I was fortunate enough to grow in a home that I always loved to go back to. As a matter of fact, when I picked my college, I thought, I'm not going to Memphis State. That's in the same city and town my parents' home is. I love it, but I need to be a little bit away. So I went to a college two hours away, University of Tennessee at Martin. And it was just you know, far enough not to be able to just run home, but go home when I wanted to, you know that? Well, lo and behold, like, Literally three months being into college, don't my dad did, switched jobs and moved to North Carolina. Eight hours one way from my college to home. But you know what? Didn't matter. There were some week, weekends, I would drive 16 hours round trip to have just about that much time at home. At home. When you think of home, when you think of heaven as home, it can change things, can it? 
all of a sudden, it's a space with decorations. All of a sudden, there are smells and images that return to us, much like when I would go home, my mom had prepared for me meatloaf, mashed potatoes, pecan pie like you have never eaten before, and you know what else? Clean sheets. All prepared for me. And the scripture teaches us that Jesus has gone home because for you, with you in mind, he's preparing a place. Set your mind on that, friend. And when you do, it changes the way I live here. Set your mind on heaven. It's a place prepared for you, and it's a home. And no matter what kind of home you came from, this home is the perfect home, the one you were made for. Let me jump back to Revelation 21, verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. I couldn't say it any better, so I have to read this for you from a book by Tish Warren in Speaking of Heaven. She says, the end of the Bible turns to the end of time and John describes a breathtaking moment when God will wipe away every tear from his people's face. Christians believe that a place of eternal joy not only exists, but is more real than the diminished place of sorrow and pain that we now know. The image of God wiping away our tears could of course be a metaphor, a statement that all things will at last be well. But what if, what if it's not strictly poetic language? What if, what if in the face of our maker, we get one last chance to honor all the losses this life has brought? What if we can stand before God someday and hear our life stories told for the first time accurately and in their entirety with all the twists and turns and meaning we couldn't follow when we lived through them? And what if the story includes all the darkness of suffering, all the wounds we've received and given to others, all the horror of capital D death, and we get to weep one last time with God himself? What if before we begin to live in a world where all things are made new, 
we weep with the one who alone is able to permanently wipe away our tears. It will be one day, one day. This is a picture also of my dad. And this picture is the day my dad surrendered his life to Christ. 82 years old, 82 years old, sitting beside my brother and sister-in-law, a man who grew up in the church and knew all the right stuff, but didn't understand that this was a free gift of God, an invitation, not out of duty or doing, but out of surrender and receiving. And that day he did that. I walked in, he put his hands up straight in the air and he said, can you believe it? Can you believe it? He said, I surrendered. I opened my heart, asked Jesus to come in and he did. And he died six months later. One day, one day. And today, eternity is placed in your hearts. If you don't know Jesus, I invite you after to come down front to pray with one of our prayer team or elders, to put your hands up and surrender. Because one day, friends, we will be with Jesus. And in that day, he will wipe away all the tears of discouragement and pain and suffering and addiction and loss and hurt. And you will be home. But today, I encourage you, set your heart on things above and live today knowing tomorrow is a reality, a new place and a new heaven and earth to call home. Will you pray with me, please? God, it, it just seems too good to be true. <laughs> but it really is. Jesus, thank you that you are preparing this place for us. And lots of us, the weight of what you call these temporary sufferings seem overwhelming. God, lift our heads. I pray right now you would lift heads in this room, emotional heads that are bent down to see that you are at work. We set our minds and our hearts on what is true so that today's obedience becomes tomorrow's gift and rewards. God, we're just passing through. Help us spend our lives set on eternity for us and for others around us. God, use the church. Let us shine so that people will see you lifted up and be drawn to you, I pray. And begin with us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.